and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shree. And it is officially November. It's officially time for a new theme for the month. And this month we are, I don't know, taking a risk a little bit. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about nonfiction for the month of November. Oh, very apropos, apropos for our first episode. It does, we're yeah. Taking a risk. Oh, God. Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, I did not mean that, but it's okay. It worked out well. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be talking about nonfiction this month, uh, which is like not territory that is often explored necessarily for either of us either. So I think it's going to be an interesting kind of month and kind of an interesting experiment for us too, to just like find uh, things that we're still, you know, sort of interested in talking about and exploring a little bit more, which, you know, is a good thing to do even with genres that you're not necessarily super crazy about all the time. True. Yeah, it can be good for you. Yeah. Um, out there, see the world. <laughs> or just read. <laughs> read about it. That works, yeah, too. Yeah, that works, too. Yeah. Um, so to kick things off this month, we are going to be talking about uh, 2015's The Big Short, uh, which, strangely enough, I feel like a lot of people have seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I figure it, if I've seen it, and it's really not my type of film, yeah. then a lot of people must have watched this film. I I think it was very popular. It was, wasn't um, it? It was probably nominated for something. It was. Um, it had an all-star cast, and I think um, what was interesting about it was that it was talking about the financial crisis in 2000, like, they were talking about it in 2015, and I feel like at that point, like, the dust had settled enough that people were willing to hear about the why behind everything. Yeah, that's true. I think it had been long enough. Whereas, like, there was another movie that came out, I believe in, like, 2009 or 10, called Margin Call. Okay. Uh, oh. And that was about the fall of Merrill Lynch. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. As a result, and, like, their involvement in the crash. And that one doesn't didn't get quite as much um, attention, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's too bad, because I almost preferred that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I think you're right, though. I think maybe it was, like, too much too Too soon, soon. and a lot of people were still struggling quite heavily at that point. So, um, yeah, chances are it would have been a a sore spot for a lot of people, which which makes sense, which would explain why probably people were not not too happy about it. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. We're going to talk about the more popular one today. That's fine. We're going to get started and we're going to dive. It's going to take us a while, so we're going to dive right into the big short. You know what? I'm pissed off. American people. We're getting screwed by the big banks. And I am getting madder and madder. It's unbelievable. Then this guy walks into my office and says, There's some shady stuff going down. All the banks were having a big old party. A few outsiders saw what no one else could economy might collapse so uh the big short was released in 2015 and it currently has a score of 7.8 out of 10 on imdb and 89 percent on rotten tomatoes wow. yeah it's quite popular what was um what was margin call check Ooh, what the rating is on that that's one that's a good question let's find out oh, yeah it comes up as like an also watch kind yeah. of situation margin call has a 7.1 out of 10 and an 87 percent on rotten tomatoes okay, so, so like not far popular. off yeah, yeah fair enough yeah Okay, so um, The Big Short is based on uh, the novel of the same name. Full title was The Big Short Inside the Doomsday Machine, written by a man named Michael Lewis, who, upon checking his uh, bibliography very quickly, I saw also wrote 
uh, The Blind Side and Moneyball, which were oh. also adapta- adaptations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, both of those were made into films. So, so this man writes some like very specific kind of financial type nonfiction yeah. stories that seem to be um, well received and therefore adapted. It's funny because I would have assumed that one of the people who, like, one of the characters portrayed in the big short would have written the Yeah, book. apparently not. Interesting. Yeah, I know. You would have thought so as well. Especially with the way that the film is structured. Yeah. And, and the narration. Yeah. 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 I really thought that that was the writer. Yeah. You would have thought so as well. Yeah. yeah. So upon its release, yes, it was quite... Um, acclaimed and the like you know cast was acclaimed regarding their performances etc etc it won one academy award for best adapted screenplay it was nominated for best picture best director (laughs) best film editing and shereen's gonna be mad about this best supporting actor for christian bale oh for fuck's sake (laughs) we're gonna get into it soon um yeah we're gonna talk about specifically why she's annoyed by (laughs) Not, no hate on what's his face there, I guess. No, because he was a great actor, but given to him, but like fuck, we took it far anyway. Um, yeah, so basically, they're basically like a few separate stories, kind of woven together, following different characters mm-hmm. um, that I guess pretty much tell the tale of uh, several of the people who foresaw the huge, huge market crash that occurred in 2008 Mm -hmm. um and were like kind of the people to try to warn people about it but to also like take advantage of it oh yeah themselves as well i think what was interesting was that they showed the mix of personalities yes true the ones who saw it as a huge money-making opportunity and who got excited about it yeah and then the ones who realized that this was going to mean that a lot of people were going to lose their homes yeah. and their jobs and it was going to be a big problem for basically people who weren't very high income earners for the most part. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so it is told from different perspectives, which does help, um, which is good because it does help to kind of give you a little bit of everybody. So it's not just... Not just the people who are like, you know, like, oh, God, this is terrible. This is going to be so bad. You also get a little bit of the other people, but you don't just get, like, the, you know, ones who are only seeing this as a money-making opportunity, which is good. Um, This type, I mean, granted, like, this type of stuff is not super my jam. I'm not incredibly well-versed as far as, um, like, financial institutions and sort of the ins and outs of a lot of this stuff. So it's an interesting film to watch to kind of realize like I guess to I guess I guess to give like sort of my perspective of like what I kind of like you know feel about it in the sense Mm -hmm. of like do I'm like do I get this like do I understand this and I guess I'd have to say yes but also no Mm -hmm. and I feel that it's partially because of the way the film is structured and I would really agree with that because I was you know, we didn't watch this movie together the other night, um, but I was texting you as I was watching yeah. it, and this is probably the third time that I've seen this movie, and I am fairly well-versed in things to do with finance and financial institutions, um, and every time I watch it, it's very subtle, the information that they're giving, but then at the same time, they don't explicitly weave together the full picture of what's happening. Um, yeah. And so... Like, I know what they were doing because it's a lot of 
very complex notions that they were trying to put together in layman's terms. Yes. But because they're so complex, I don't know if they really achieved what they were trying to do. So I'm not sure. And they did try to, you know, I get it. They tried to do it in an engaging, fun sort of way yeah. because sprinkled throughout the film are like little cameos mm-hmm. um, from celebrities playing themselves. Yes. Um, and using their time on screen to explain certain uh, particular goings on in terms like financial terms and... Uh, basically like investment stuff in in a way that like will be understandable to people yeah and I think that like for like a from a definition point of view like they did a fairly good yeah um but like I said to you as I was watching it I realized that what they were doing was they were explaining like definitions but they weren't really explaining the wider picture like they were saying you know, now Margot Robbie's going to explain to you um, how this impacted or how this led to, or no, sorry, Anthony Bourdain is going to explain to you how oh, yes. this contributed to the, you know, the crash of the housing market. Yeah. But then what happens is that Anthony Bourdain or Margot Robbie or Selena, Selena Gomez, Gomez, whoever it is, they just explain like an, an actual term, like a yeah. definition. And so it's like, okay, I understand that these bonds are garbage and thank you Anthony Bourdain you know rest in peace uh, yeah yeah I was a little bit sad when he showed up actually I was like oh man um you know thanks for explaining it I think I understand now like the term yeah but I don't understand how this garbage how does it fit yeah like how does that fit into the like how is that a reason for it how did that fit into it being a reason for the crash and so I think that as the film um progresses because it's broken up into sort of sections and um your initial section kind of or at least like the beginnings of what we're seeing follow Christian Bale's character his name is Michael Burry who's an actual person obviously all the people here were as far as I'm aware pretty much all of them were actual people Mm -hmm. who were involved in this um he was a hedge fund manager uh at the time and this is I think his yeah, his bit starts in 2005, so like three years before the crash occurred, mm-hmm. um, when he discovers that basically the housing market, because of these things called, what is it, subprime loans? Well, basically what he's realized is he's looking through, my understanding is he's looking through data that he has access to as a hedge fund manager yeah. um, about existing mortgages. So mortgages that people, like individuals, have... Um, and he's, and you know, for everybody listening, if you're not too familiar with like a mortgage, just generally, as far as banks are concerned, mortgages should not default. When you say, when you say default, you can have a loan default. Um, and that means that somebody's not paying for it. Like, you know, it's okay. We tried, we tried to lend the money to the person, something happened. They're not paying it back. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, a mortgage should not or cannot default because there's a property attached to it. Right. So if the person stops paying, then inevitably that's when you have like a repossession. The bank will come back and take it Mm -hmm. and resell it to make back the money that's owed. So a mortgage is kind of like a no-brainer for a lender. Um, But then what starts to happen is when you have people who have low credit scores, they have poor history, um... Here in Canada, they're not too hot about lending money out to people who have 
low credit scores, yeah. poor repayment history because they just don't want to go through that hassle. Um, but in the States, what they did was they capitalized on this opportunity and mm -hmm. they said, well, you have a poor credit rating. Well, we're just going to charge you more interest. Right. Because it's, you know, it's more, it's riskier for me. It's riskier for you. me to lend you the money. I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to do, do you a favor, but I'm going to charge you I'm more for doing you, you that favor. So it's like going to a loan shark who's charging you interest on things exactly. and is definitely, definitely going to break both your legs exactly. if you don't pay back the interest the way that you should. Exactly. And with that, um, started to pop up like these other institutions that yeah. were lending out the money at even higher interest rates. Um, because banks wouldn't, banks themselves would not take Yeah, so it was all the big things like Merrill Lynch and mm -hmm. what is it, Baron Stearns yeah. and stuff, and there were quite a few others as well. Right. So, so this is where things get really, like, already from the beginning, things are, like, a little complex here. So he's looking at this data, and he's realizing that people are starting to default on their mortgages. Right. So this is not good. No. If people are not able to pay back their mortgages, that means that there's something bigger happening in the economy. Yeah, and there's a recurring conversation that happens with several characters over the course of this discovery mm -hmm. because everybody's like, no, that's absurd. Everyone pays their mortgage. Mm -hmm. But he's the person who's like, no, they're not, though. No, but you don't understand. Not. Yeah, sure, you're saying everyone pays their mortgage, but all of these people are not mm -hmm. paying their mortgages. And these are people 30 days past due, 60 days past due, 90 days past due. And again, like just to reiterate, if you're even 30 days past due on your mortgage, like this is extremely detrimental to your credit. It's score. really bad. It's really bad. So for them to get into the 90-day water, yeah, that, was... that there is something really bad going on. So he saw this. And he then, as a hedge fund manager, so... This is my beef with this with this character. Oh, we need to be, we need to get into all the beef with the character in the first place because mm -hmm. so, yeah. This dude is like you know he describes himself as a weird dude. He feels like he can't um, you know connect with people. Mm -hmm. He's an outcast, and this goes back to his childhood because he lost his eye at one point. Um, yeah, because he to an illness. He said yeah. Um, and then they show this scene where he's on the on a football field because he's playing football and as a teenager, get, as a teenager, yeah. And he gets hit in the head and his eye pops out. Now, why do I have beef with this character? Because <laughs> I have the same fucking eye that he <laughs> popped out of his head. I have a prosthetic eye, yeah, and it's exactly the same. Like <laughs> when it falls out of his head and it's on the field, yeah, you're like, like, oh yeah, look, that's my eye. That's my eye. Yeah, it's that's exactly it. Exactly the same shape. So. To be honest, when he says he lost his eye, just like looking at that that prosthetic eye that fell out, that is not the type of eye <laughs> that would that would maybe serve this kind of guy, this kind of illness. Anyway, side note. No, I guess that's true. You're right because if the whole eye came out, wouldn't it yeah. have to be a whole a whole ball? It would as well because if it not, would. your your eyelid would like collapse. Exactly. And anyway, whatever. Okay. But his is like a shell, so there is an eye yeah. in there, so there's something moving. Yeah, right? we have stupid beef with this because yes, Shireen does have a prosthetic <laughs> eye. My fiance also yes. has one. Strangely Weird enough. Yeah. And so then he sits there for the entire movie, acting like he's like not a normal human because he's kind of slightly cross-eyed. I think and my problem is that he says. He basically, there's a line of dialogue where he basically says that that is why. That's why. Which is stupid. Like, yeah. like you, he can be weird. Yeah. He can be fucking weird and quirky. Yeah, he's weird. He obviously stays at the office all the time. He's like brushing his teeth in there. He's doing like he push-ups. He wear shoes. 
shoes. He doesn't ever. wear shoes. Like, whatever. I don't care how fucking weird you are. You're just, like, a weird dude. It You're has nothing to do. Don't schluff it off on, oh, I, I grew up with a prosthetic eye and it was, like, embarrassing to me. No. If it popped out during a football game, that would be embarrassing for, like, five minutes. Yeah, like, people would, like, get it. Like, I got bullied for my eye sure. and stuff. Like, you know, it's weird. Like, kids are kind of like, why is your eye weird? Kids are shitty. Kids are shit. <laughs> but, like, you know, eventually, like, it, the way that they portrayed it in the movie is, like, he had something wrong with his brain. Because of this. Because of this. And I was just like, this makes no sense. Like, none of this makes any sense. It was just really, it was just really dumb. And it I was. think that's why as soon as I saw that Christian Bale was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I was like, oh, Shereen's going to be so mad. I know. I'm just like, really, the one time I get representation in a in I know. Media, this is what they do. Anyway, so I digress. But yeah, so he realizes what's happened. He's a hedge fund manager. So what that means is when you have a hedge fund, it means that you got a lot of money. And I'm talking like there's different sizes of hedge funds. Sure. I think the minimum is about 500 million assets under management. Yeah. Um, so half a billion dollars, if not more. And I believe that in this case, he does have about half a billion dollars. He does because he, they say something about him having, I think it's 550 million. Yeah. So that's kind of your starting size of a hedge fund. So he doesn't have the biggest hedge fund. No. Um, but he sees this opportunity and really without asking anybody, because again, he is a manager, so he can kind of do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. And if they, I believe that the agreement that he has with his clients is that he is in control of the assets that they've provided him with. And like, I will do, I can do what I want. And they said, yes, okay. And they signed a piece of paper that said that. So it's crazy, but it is possible. That is, you know, it's like a portfolio manager or, you know, um, so he's allowed to invest the money the way he sees fit. And he sees this happening. And so he decides to do what they call shorting the market. Mm-hmm. So he wants, so think of it as making a bet against something. Yeah. So he says, I'm going to short the housing market. And when he comes up with this idea, that's where you see like all the, um, the bankers and his, his you know, big ass client there, that one clients, guy, they're all kind of like looking at him either like he's crazy or they're laughing in his face because yeah. they're like, there is nothing more secure than a the housing, housing market. market. Yeah, and they're like for the reasons that I just explained. Yes, no one defaults on no their one, mortgage. Yeah, that's it. Oh, <laughs> everybody pays, and everybody says, it. "Oh, everybody pays their mortgage." Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I'm like, but he's literally seeing, and he's like, "No, but they, you don't understand. Like they don't." And so he foresees that if this continues to happen, mm-hmm. that eventually the entire market itself will just crash because there will be nothing left. Exactly. And so he takes all five hundred and fifty million dollars, and he goes and he hits hits up. Every major financial lender institution. institution. Yeah. And he basically goes to them and like I said, it's like a bet. So he goes and says, like, what are the odds you're going to give me? Now, it's not, that's not the terminology that they use in finance, but essentially that's what he's saying. What are the odds you're going to give me? I'm saying that it's going to fail. You as a financial institution, what are the odds you're going to give me? And so they're all rubbing their hands in glee because he's handing over hundreds of millions of dollars yep. for something that they are saying will never happen. Yep. So they are basically from their point of view guaranteed to make a shed ton of money on Yeah, this. for sure. And so they all happily do it. And yes. In some cases, I think it was Merrill Lynch, he said, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, they created this for him. They, oh, they, yes, I think you're right. That's yeah. true. And so, again, going back to that movie Margin Call, if you want to watch that in conjunction with this movie, you'll understand why that's even 
more yeah, sinister. it would probably be yeah. a good double feature, sort of, mm-hmm. if you want to understand, I guess, some of the intricacies of what actually went on. Like, you know, not everything's completely accurate, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but if you just want to have, like, a good idea of it. Um, and so, yeah, so after he decides to do this, of course, there are rumblings because people are like, yeah, well, this crazy fucking guy yeah. has just decided to to bet against the housing market. Like, how wild is that? And, and that is when... over hundreds of millions of dollars Yeah, and they're all like... What? Super happy yeah, and then so this makes its way to um, Ryan Gosling's character in this movie. His name's Jared Vennett. Mm-hmm. Um, he's based on a man named Greg Lippman, who was the actual person who was involved in this. It turns out, um, and he was he was like a like a large, I think, executive from what is it, Deutsche Bank? I don't mm-hmm. know if that's actually the yeah. case in reality, but it's the case in the film anyway. And he hears about this, and he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Yes, and you know, what he then starts to explain, which is a wider problem, is that the institutional investors, and so that means banks, and when banks make an investment as an institutional investor, again, they're handing over hundreds of millions of dollars. They're not doing, you know, what you and I do when we invest money, which is, oh, I'm going to put 50 bucks on this one. Yeah. Not quite the same. These are huge investments, and so... He starts to explain that the institutional investors who have been buying what they call mortgage-backed securities, mm-hmm. MBSs, MBSs they call them, and selling them to their clients, they've been buying garbage. Yeah. And so what a mortgage-backed security is, is those mortgages that we just described a moment ago, the ones that people are defaulting on, they're taking these mortgages and they're saying, we're going to create a mutual fund with them. Oh, yeah. We're going to create an investment with them. And we're going to say, you can get a security that's backed by something that's so safe, you are never going to lose money on it. But as they started to dig, they realized that some of the um, companies like Moody's had been giving high grades on mortgages that were very risky. Mm -hmm. And they started mixing them all together to create new investments and selling them. And everybody was patting themselves on the back. Yeah. Way to go. What a great job. I made us a shed ton of money on something that's eh, pretty risky, but nobody's ever going to know because it's a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And who's going to default on their mortgage? Yeah. And he realizes, basically, Jared realizes that Michael is correct mm-hmm. um, through, like, his own verifications that he makes as well. He's like, oh, shit, he's right. Mm-hmm. Like, that is actually what it looks like. Um, so he starts going to He decides people. to do the same thing, exactly. basically. And he um, apparently, and I don't know if this is actually the case or not, but apparently through just accidentally calling the wrong hedge fund. Yeah. Um, instead, because I think there are two called front points supposedly, but I guess they handle different things was right. my understanding. So he calls one front point trying to get a hold of another one and alerts, um, another hedge fund manager, a manager named Mark Baum, who is based on a man named Steve Eisman, um, who also has his team look into this cause he's like, what the fuck? This can't be, this, <laughs> this can't, can't be, be happening. And it's just this funny sequence of events through people, through word of mouth, mm-hmm. basically like no, no official reporting, no, like anybody being like any, like, you know, any like large, like investment firms no. being like, Hey, this is looking really bad. No, it's all no. word of mouth from a man who just saw something, looked at it. And then other people double checking his work and agreeing that yes that is this this is the case and seeing what's going to happen and 
the sad thing is that they tried to sound the alarms to the more the yeah. banks. And by this point, it was just too late. And that's what they start showing um, Steve Carell's character. Please, Mark Baum. Sorry, yeah, I should yeah. have specified that. He's also, he's quite funny in this, actually. Was, <laughs> I thought yeah. he was funny. He's um, in anger management courses, and he's, yeah. like, very shrill and very obnoxious. Yeah, um, yeah, very much. Like, it's very clear. Uh, he's also, like, you know, like, he's going through, like, uh, some personal stuff. His brother, I think, recently died by suicide. Yeah. I was my understanding, like, recently, not, like, not, like, two years ago. Like, within no, the last maybe six months or something. Yeah. Um, and so he's dealing with a lot of residual anger because of that. I think they were on the phone at the mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, so there's, like, a lot going on there. And so that's why he's got almost this, like, empathy side yes yeah he's the first one to be like um excuse me like you're all trying to make money but these are real people and so he actually he and his team start going door to door Um, and this is we were talking about this when we were texting about this a little bit this is something that I feel they almost should have started the film with these sorts of explanations this very on the ground door to door having conversations with people and explaining the process of it because I felt like it would have been easier to understand um, the overarching sort of picture and that would have immediately shown you the reality of like what that means what it meant yeah. what was going on two people and like this is really like the the sad part um he starts knocking on like the first door that they knock on it's a guy and he's oh yeah like, oh you're looking for they're like we're looking for so and so and the guy goes my landlord's dog yeah and they're like what they're like your landlord put this mortgage in his dog's name wild and the guy's like okay but like i've been paying rent yeah like, i've been paying rent and because he he's like yeah because he's like we're conducting um just like a survey of people who yeah. are like nine and 90 days or over yeah. or whatever on like you know the defaulted on their mortgage payments and yeah. he's like has he not been paying his mortgage but like why the fuck not i've been paying My him rent, rent. Yeah. like am i gonna have to leave what's yeah. gonna happen and i felt really bad for the member of yeah. like steve carell's team there's rafe spall who was like speaking to him because like he's got a kid there and there's just no you can't give that person an answer there's nothing he could do no because he was expecting like the guy who hadn't paid his yeah so that he could speak to him about it and so this is where I started texting Megan and saying you see this is the problem because and I guess they were doing this in the states where these you know shaky lenders started to just lend out money on property and and then one, two, three mortgages yeah. on the same property. And then people, and then of course what we see with the, the sort of on the ground investigation that they're conducting is that in this, this is a big housing project in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that they go to. And uh, the the vast majority of the people there have left. They've yeah. abandoned their houses. They've abandoned their houses and they start picking up bills and looking at people's like, And people are like, no, I can't make my payment. And they're just saying sorry. And so it's like, you know, these are things to think about because what they keep saying is the um, the adjustable rate mortgages. The adjustable yes. rate mortgages are the ones that are the problem. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a really kind of funny moment where they're in a strip club and the stripper is talking. Oh my God, that stressed me out so much. She's talking to them and Steve Carell's asking her about her mortgages and she's dancing. And she's like, oh, but you know, I've got three mortgages on my property or two mortgages. Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. And he goes, but what are you going to do when you when you have to, you know, increase your payment because it's going to go up 300% based on the raise. And she goes, 
doesn't matter. They said that I can just refinance my loan. Yeah. And he's like, but there won't be any room left to do yeah, it. Yeah, there will be no. the value of your house won't support it. No, so there will be no wiggle room. And she's like, what do you mean? I won't be able to pay back any of it. And he's like, what are you talking about? We're only talking about the mortgages for one property, yeah. right? And she just stops and goes, I have five houses. I have five houses. And so this contributes to the larger problem. You had shitty lenders giving out random mortgages without any background checks on people, charging them ridiculous interest rates. But what I looked up, because the terminology in the States is very different to what we have here, what they do over there is when you take an adjustable rate, or what we call here a variable rate mortgage, yes, yeah, is you have a grace period for a certain amount of time, and I think the it's pretty much a year for the most part, where for the first year you're paying a very low interest rate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then after that year is up, they look at the market rates and then they start charging you a much higher rate on your mortgage. Yeah. And so this is inevitably what started to happen to people. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, mortgage brokers and people who were making all, like a shit ton of commission off of this mm-hmm. were making much higher commissions off of these adjustable. Yeah rate mortgages I keep thinking variable but Mm -hmm. I just want everybody to be clear these adjustable rate mortgages and so that is what they would give people that is what they would push on people because they'd also be like look at this low interest rate that you're going to be paying your low payment Mm. you can totally afford that and for now they're not even doing background checks and so they're promising people things like for the right now that doesn't make sense for the future and so that is when people started to default on their mortgages. So yeah, because that year would come up or yeah. however long there, and then suddenly they would be like, oh, you were paying this much, but now you're paying. Yep. You know, now suddenly your payment is like seven, $800 more a month, and mm-hmm. people, can't, people can't afford that. Yeah, people cannot afford that. And so, you know, their payments went up 200 300% more than they were paying. And those are the mortgages that they were putting in these mortgage-backed securities Mm -hmm. that everybody was investing in on the other side. Yeah. And so like a domino, like a Jenga tower, it all started to fall down um, as people started to default more and more. And I go back to the movie Margin Call because that's they depict in that movie the moment that Merrill Lynch pulled the plug Ah. and started selling off all their, their standings, their holdings. And that is what triggered the crash of 2008. Okay. Wow. And so um, all this together, you know, it's very hard to understand as a big picture. Um, But what I liked about this movie is that they really showed the human side and then they showed the people behind, you know, the ones who figured this out. And then... You get to see this; these two young guys who kind of started their hedge fund out of a, a oh garage. yes, um, Jamie and Charlie. Yes, and they kind of team up with Brad Pitt's character because he's pretty um, familiar with how these things work. Yeah, um, he's ready to back them, and so they go and they take their own position on this. Um, they they do their own shorting. He helps them, and then the end of the movie. They... Oh, he has he has a great moment with them though, yes, which I he liked because that was another yes. character. His name's his character's name's Ben, I think. Yeah, he has a really great moment with them where they've just managed to do this, and they're realizing that they're going to be able to make like a shit ton of money yeah. from this. 
Um, and they're, you know, dancing around, laughing about it and everything. They're in Vegas. They're at like a conference and they're leaving. And he turns around and basically yells at them. He's like, don't like, you can be happy about it, but he's like, you don't, you're not thinking about the fact that, uh, like hundreds of thousands, if not more people are going to lose everything. They're going to lose pensions. They're going to lose jobs. They're going to lose houses. They're going to lose everything in their lives. Um, and it's just, It is good because, like, you know, even when you're watching the film, you get caught up in the whole, like, hey, screwing the system over and we're going to go do this and ha, ha, ha. But it's, but yeah, when you take a step back and you look at the human impact of this and the people who will be impacted first, um, it's awful. And it's really sad. Because, you know, the people who got those five properties and then were able to just turn around and say, oh, well, screw it. I'm just not going to pay back my mortgage. I got the money that I needed from this whole transaction. The real people who are getting impacted are the ones who are renting from these people, and now they have no. Yeah, to live. and now they have nowhere to live because these people have had their homes taken away yeah. from them, which means that your tenants are just kicked out onto the street, and exactly. they have nowhere else to go. And then the more this happens, the less places there are for tenants, which means that rent becomes more expensive yep. than places that do exist. So it's this entire domino effect, and so you can see it in their faces as they're selling off their positions at the end of the movie, because inevitably the market is crashing. And the last person to sell off um, is Steve Carell's character. And he makes, it says here, over a billion dollars. A billion dollars. And he did not want to sell his position. No, you could tell. But I believe that, and now I don't know um, if uh, the actual, like this actual person, like Steve Eisman, I don't know, like, you know, if this is really what happened with him or not. But in the film, Mark's character, um, he stopped doing this Mm. after this whole situation happened. I believe he, he left. I don't think he like participated in it anymore. And I believe that his team, like they continued to run a hedge fund, but Mm. I think he stepped away. And you would, right? Like if you felt, you know, the empathy for the people who were going to have to deal with the fallout from Mm -hmm. this, and you knew that you made hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, yeah. you didn't make a hundred bucks on this. No, like, no. You made, like, the equivalent of, like, you know, a country's, like, you know, gross, what is it, GDP. Uh, yes, your gross <laughs> domestic profit. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, you you couldn't forgive yourself after no I couldn't no um you know and it's good because you you do you get characters like him and then you also get like uh, Ryan Gosling's character who's like a piece of shit like he he sucks um he he, makes like 47 million dollars yeah he's a bonus check of 47 million dollars um and he sucks I fucking hate the way he looks in this movie god I hate the way he looks just for men hair oh he has black hair that was like it looks like it's from a box like it's like a bottle black yeah hair and he's got this really weird fake tan and I know it's supposed to be the mid 2000s but like oh boy no I know it's like it's really bad um what really is hard and they do well at the end of this movie is you know Ryan Gosling's character is narrating what happened after Mm -hmm. and he says um you know he he starts to let you believe that uh, they actually stopped these bankers and they you know they punished them for yeah. what they did, and they didn't blame the immigrants and the poor people for it. And then he goes, "Just kidding, they totally did." They blamed immigrants and poor people. There was one banker from one institution who was eventually arrested, um, and that was it, really. And they just continued to do the same yep. thing. And I believe even today we're seeing some of that still happen. Yeah, it's so. definitely there's definitely stuff like that that's still going on. Yeah. So. 
it's an like if you get into the specifics of it it's a loaded film mm-hmm. it's not like it's funny because like, you know the majority of the film is played in a very um light-hearted. light-hearted sort of way and i think that's to the filmmakers trying to detract from how depressing all of this is and how awful all of this was when it happened to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that was them kind of doing that. But it's, even at the end of the film, just with everything, it's hard for it to stay like a a happy-go-lucky kind of thing. Like, I still didn't feel that way. We finished it, and I was like, ugh, God. I think really what this what this film makes you think about is, like, your own personal situation and you know, how would you fare if this happened again? And what's your level of knowledge of the financial industry? For sure. Because I think in this day and age, my personal opinion is that everybody needs to have a a higher level of financial knowledge because everything's so complex. Um, Yeah. Where you put your money, what you do with it, you know, it's not the 80s anymore where you can put yeah. your money in a bank account and make 10%, 15% interest. Yeah, interest you know? on it just because, yeah, yeah. it like, doesn't work that way. You have to be aware of what's happening and how the bigger picture could potentially impact you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's one thing, you know, this movie really makes you think about is, sure, there are people at the top making hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. but what does that mean for me? Because at the end of the day, these guys aren't going to lose sleep over this. No, no, that's it. And it's like, you know, and you, you get the characters who you get, who do like lose sleep over it, who are legitimately bothered by it, or Steve Carell's character, Christian Bale's character, Mm -hmm. um, because he did after when all of this occurred, he chose to shut down the hedge fund. He was like, I'm not. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm not doing this anymore. I think his profits were up like 489% or something. Yeah, and he and his that um, his biggest client, the one who was always after him and who was basically suing him mm-hmm. uh, because he had let all of his investors know, like, I'm taking your money and I'm doing this with mm-hmm. it. And people were like, what are you, fucking crazy? Yeah. Uh, he made them all a ton of money. I think he made that specific client made $489 million. Yeah, so there you go. Like, um, you know, he's obviously very bitter about it at the end. Yes. And he, it's, they say that he tried to contact the media or the government because he wanted to let them know how he saw this coming. Yeah. With the intent of helping them prevent it in the future, and nobody ever contacted him. No one contacted him. him. But he did get investigated and interrogated by the FBI. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, of course. Exactly. But of course, no one really took it to the level of like, okay, how did you figure this out? Show me, because I'd really like to to understand. We want to prevent this happening No, there's no no thought of that at all. We just want to go back to doing the same thing again. I do love a couple of the closing scenes. So... As in terms of like filmmaking itself and like the film, I guess yes, the performances were very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I didn't love all the over stylized montages of pop culture shit happening yeah. in between. I was like, okay, we get it. It was two thousand five. Now it's two thousand six. Blah blah. You could have just put a title card, <laughs> and I would have been fine with that. It was like a little bit in your face mm-hmm. in a way that felt like it was like overdone, which I didn't love. But then again, I think that was kind of a reflection I know it was of the, of the characters. Yeah, and know? of the time, I didn't yeah. mind. Like I didn't mind Ryan Gosling like narrating directly to the camera because it's the type of because of the institution and because of like the entire like situation and the plot line you need somebody who's going to explain parts Mm -hmm. of it to you you wouldn't be able to just figure it out from the conversations that the characters are having Mm -hmm. so that did make sense to me but yeah there were just like there was some like over stylization that I was like okay guys Mm -hmm. calm down (laughs) um you know but there are like 
some that's it slightly satisfying things to see obviously yes it's right it's nice to see that you know the people who said this was happening were right yeah. obviously even mm-hmm. if it wasn't a good thing um there had been like a scene previously with two douchebaggy mortgage brokers, yeah. I believe they were, who were the guy from New Girl was in it. Yeah, and that other that. guy who I've seen like a whole bunch of stuff. He's really funny. Um, who were, uh, you know, like basically talking about the fact that oh, I target strippers, and you know, because they're cash, like they're cash rich, pretty much, but they have shite credit. Mm-hmm. And then the other one who's like, yeah, I just target immigrants because they're all so happy to be getting a house. Oh, oh I hated that so. Yeah, much. but I love them because at the end of the film they're at a job convention trying to pick up things to work at Ikea and it was my favorite I was like yep that's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> they deserve that oh they did for sure it's too bad we never saw what happened to um that other uh huge guy who Steve Carell had like dinner with at one point in Vegas who was like an like a total fucking asshole oh yes 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 I know who you're talking about yeah I forget what his character's name was yeah um, but it would have been nice to see him because they bought a whole bunch of his stuff as well to short. So I'm sure that he was fucked by the oh, end the of it too. Came out with the synthetic. Um, oh bonds. yes, that's yeah. it. Synthetic bonds. Yes, that was it. Exactly. Well, like this is it. Like it's so hard because it's like you know. Um, <laughs> It's so hard because you're kind of like, you know, these are really difficult notions to understand. Yeah. But someone somewhere invented this on the fly and it's like people's livelihoods. For sure. For sure. Wow. We've got Paw Patrol going on here in the background. (laughs) So excited. (laughs) Oh boy. Anyway. um, Yeah. It's an interesting film, but despite it, yeah, you probably need to do a little bit more research yourself just to understand like a little bit more of the specifics of it, I would say. So in terms of was the book better? Well, I mean, I think with it being a um, a financial yeah. kind of like a financial nonfiction book, chances are the movie was more entertaining. Yeah, definitely. Probably, yeah, I would assume. Yeah. You know, whereas the book, yes, will be more factual and it'll also be more um, research Complete, heavy. Yeah. So you'll understand things better, but I'm sure it's not as entertaining to <laughs> to like go through. But yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. I'm gonna we're gonna wrap this up because there's a dog growling in the background. Because <laughs> our food's here. I guess so. Yeah, that's it. He's alerting us to take out. All right. So, <laughs> so um, you guys can let us know what you thought about this movie over on Instagram at fullybookedca. You can check out our Facebook group at facebook.com/groups/bookwaswayetter. And if you are still with us, which I hope you are, uh, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to the episode because it really helps us get the show out in front of more people. But until next time, guys, keep on reading. <laughs>